Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. We had a text earlier, where do I find an Oilers car flag? And I said, help me out here. My only suggestion was the Oilers store in Kingsway Mall. And somebody says, yes, they are there. Got uh, comments for United Cycle, Rexall Pharmacies, London Drugs, Canadian Tire, Shoppers Drug Mart. So to the person asking where to get an Oilers car flag, just leave your house. You'll see one. (laughs) I'm sure that person has been leaving his or her house, but they're out there. They're out there for sure. Going to be cool. Going to be cool. Finally in the playoffs for the first time since 2006. We'll have all the games for you on 6.30. Ched, my name is Reed Wilkins. We have the Orioles leading the Jays 3-1. That's now in the top of the eighth inning in the NHL tonight. Sabres up 2-0 on the Canadians in the second period. No score. Rangers and Capitals early in the second frame. The uh, Pistons lead the Raptors 68-60 in the third quarter. Curling Canada cruising. 10-2 over Japan to improve to 9-0. We'll uh, have an interview Morley Scott did with Brad Gushu coming up between 7.30 and 8. The Masters starting tomorrow. The favorite, number one in the world, Dustin Johnson. Apparently some kind of a fall on a staircase today, hurting his lower back. His manager says we'll see if he's able to play tomorrow. That would put a bit of a damper on things if uh, Johnson was injured, especially in such an unusual fashion. He has been on fire the last few weeks. Well, if you're number one in the world, you're doing something right. Number one in the rankings of inside sports guests tonight, Kevin Karius. I just insulted everybody else who was on the show. One out of one. (laughs) For the second hour, you're you're number one. Number one in the 7.07 time slot. Thanks for coming down, buddy. Good to see you again. Good to be here, yeah. Isn't that something with Johnson? That's, 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 that's sick. That's crazy. That's yeah. I mean, the guys had so many bad bad luck. I guess you could argue self-inflicted some of it with the issues he went through before. But you know, he's had heartbreaking losses. Yeah. And uh, finally broke through last year, dominant in the U.S. Open, and playing the last mm-hmm. nine holes not knowing his score. Yeah, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I know it was wet and raining and whatever else, but well, they canceled the par three. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the first yeah. time they've done that in fifty some years. It's I think. Long, yeah, four some decades, but yeah. just for him to take a wipeout and go for a tumble. Hope he's okay. Yeah. I mean, it, sounds, it doesn't sound, but, sound you know, good, obviously. Like out of all the injuries for a golfer, back is the worst. Yeah. You know, well, couples struggle with that, eh? Forever. For a long time, yeah. yeah. You know, did Olafobel have a back issue as well? I don't know if he did. Because remember, he won the Masters, and then his career was kind of almost over because of an injury, and then Seve he came Ballesteros back. Sevi Ballesteros also always yeah. had, you know, but Freddie Couples would probably be the biggest guy that had a, that kind of a chronic back, yeah. you call it. 
Well, because you got to the, the all the the power comes from how how much you can turn and Torque flex, and, right? Yeah. And if you you keep torquing it like that, mm-hmm. I, I referenced, uh, and I know you've been at a Masters tournament. And I want to talk to you about that. Uh, what did you think of the uh, LPGA rule? Uh, oh, it's just such a joke. Oh, <laughs> I just wanted to get you unbel- mad. I, oh, I, you know what? We were watching that a little bit on Sunday too, and it just it just infuriates. Uh, it, like uh, the in-laws are a big golf family, so they were just going bananas too, and it just ah, oh, just you want. Like, how do you let someone, someone phone in? How do you even have that as a mechanism? It's absurd. Well, just think. What's what's the other way? Like, just pretend. That okay, whoever this bozo, that we don't even know who phoned in, right? No. Okay, so well, what, it was an email. Wasn't what? It? No, well, I think it, it was. A, and it was a day later. Yeah. But if so, if you say you just say, I'm not taking the call. Okay, yeah. Uh, pretend the call didn't happen. Yeah. What is this guy going to do? Is he going to go to like Inside Edition and and all the you know the TMZ <laughs> yeah. and go, Hey, I phoned the LPGA tour. Yeah. They didn't take my call. But look at the video that I have. Yeah. Oh. It's and you know what, Kevin. I, I, I don't I don't like it to begin with. I can at least somewhat understand where you have to say, you know what, it was a short putt. She did change the angle, so we maybe have to. She did. She technically did replace it improperly, but then to penalize her for signing an incorrect scorecard. Yeah. Because in my mind, if you sign your scorecard and present it to the LPGA, and the LPGA says, "Yep, looks good to us," mm-hmm. then they've signed off on that score. So don't it's penalize that. It's a done that. deal at that point. It has to be, no matter what happens. And she was not trying to no, cheat at all. Exactly. I mean, it's not like. And, yeah. and if that, and if that's a thirty-five foot putt, or are they going to make that call? That's However, a fifty-foot putt. I was listening to Phil Mickelson this morning, I believe. Uh, Who was he on with? Well, they just have a big news. Or just the, from the uh, from okay. the Masters, they just let her buck on the Golf Channel for like seven hours. Oh, all the raw. They bring stuff. guys yeah, yeah, in, yeah. and it's totally raw. And he he didn't come out and say it, but he did say there are. Some players that kind of maybe give it a little inch, fudge it a half bit, eh? an inch or so here and there, and maybe they're not doing it on purpose. Maybe they are, whatever. But um, there was, I'll tell you, I uh, can tell us. There's a a certain former owner of the Oilers was at a very high profile tournament years ago <laughs> at a course on the West Coast. Was it a pro am? Yes, it was. <laughs> And uh, he actually threw his golf marker about 15 feet ahead when he went to pick up his ball. Yeah. And they caught him and then basically kicked him out of the tournament. Said enough. I think enough. I think people can figure out who it yeah, is. I think we've narrowed it down. <laughs> pretty, pretty. It, it, it's uh, obviously wasn't one of the 37 no, people or so, and it's yeah. not the current owner. There we said. go. So yes, that narrows it yes, down. It was a number of years ago. Kevin Carey is in studio inside Sports on 6:30. Show we got a lot of Oilers playoff stuff to talk about, but I do want to ask you. What is your and I, I you know I've never been to that that course. What was your Masters Augusta experience? It was the most unbelievable experience you could say. Uh, I was taken down there by a fellow from Edmonton named uh, Terry Teetson, and uh, we went down. He didn't come actually. It was Terry Evans also went with me, and uh, so the two of us went down, and everything was taken care of, and we were there for four days plus the practice round plus the par three everything. But it's a the first thing that I always remember, it's the color green that you've never seen before. You picture the color green in a, in a box of crayons or, or in, in a picture or, or anything like that. This is a different color of green. 
And you could drive right by Augusta. You could... Willie's Waffle House is on the other side of the road. And it's not a very big, fancy city, is it? No, not at all. But once you turn into that property, then you got a long way up Magnolia Road. And But once you get in there, now you know you're on another piece of property that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. But uh, it was 2005. I was uh, about 40 yards away on Sunday on the 16th hole and when Tiger Woods made his chip shot and the ball stood on this. On. The ball just kind of hung on the side of the hole and I was 40 yards away. It's a sound I'll never, ever forget because it was just the crescendo. It was just, just went bananas and then it just went to zero because the ball stopped and then when it went in it was just a, a, a sound I'll never, ever forget. Oh my goodness. Oh wow. In your life have you seen anything like that? The great contest with the call. And it's funny, you know, I had Jack Michaels on the last hour and people have been complimenting Jack's uh yeah, uh, play by play, and and the best guys, they're so. Na- I mean, Vern Lundquist, he made you feel like you're sitting there next to him watching it. No, mm-hmm. like that's what you'd say to your buddy in your life if you seen something like that. What a great call, incredible moment. There, there was a, I think it was round two. It was a weird si- uh, situation in 2005 because there was so much rain. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the rounds were uh, suspended and then continued the next day, so it was hard to keep track. But I remember I I went to a hole and I just stood b- beside Vern Lundquist just for about you know 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Uh, out of the way of, you know, because he was doing his job and everything, but just to listen to him, you know, just for that time. But oh, So you got close enough you could hear his call? Oh, was he, yeah. Was he up in a tower or is he lower down? No, he's, he wasn't at, on that time, he wasn't at 16 because, it, uh, you know, he's at 16 on, on Saturday and Sunday, well, I believe. Okay, I see. But during the, on Thursday and Friday, because how television worked back then, they, they didn't do all the holes or yep. they were only doing the back nine, but he would go on a little bit earlier on, on, on another network and, and be on another hole. He was just sitting on a on a chair in the middle of nowhere. Actually, it's kind of oh. I, I, to me, I mean, that's one of that. That might be the greatest shot I've ever seen in it. And, I, and I'm not one of well, these huge like I just worship Tiger Woods. I, res- I obviously respect his ability. But I remember watching that live on TV, and I don't the the, the word unbelievable is overused mm-hmm. in sports. That that went in is unbelievable to me. Like I still watch it, and I'm like, I can't believe it's going to go in. Here's an unbelievable story for you. So. About two weeks before the Masters, a friend of mine's in Las Vegas, and he says, uh, do you want to put any money on the Masters? Because he knew I was going. So I said, put $50 on Chris DeMarco to win. Nice. So <laughs> when <laughs> Tiger Woods and Chris DeMarco, when the final pairing got to the last uh, the last round there, because they finished again round three Sunday morning. Right. They get to the fourth round on 16. DeMarco was down by one stroke. Now, Tiger hit, hit that ball where he was, and I've shown every person in Augusta this ticket, and they think this is the best thing ever because no one had a ticket for Chris DeMarco to win. So anyway, I got offered like a lot of money. Here, sell me that ticket right now, but I thought the ticket was a better story. So all the guys that we were kind of standing around sitting with, they said, there's no way that he gets up and down from there. Yeah. I've been, guys, I've been there. I've been sitting here 40 years. 
and balls have been down here, and no one has ever even come close to making par. And DeMarco had a straight-up uphill putt for maybe nine And a lot nine of guys putt from that exact spot it's on round perfect, four, right? It's a yep. perfect place. He couldn't have hit a better tee shot. And there you go. So Tiger then dunks it in, and then DeMarco missed his. So everyone's saying it's a two-shot swing for sure. Yeah. For sure. They thought DeMarco was going to uh, make his putt, and Tiger was going to bogey. So And that... I believe that put Tiger up two, two. And, but then, then he bogeyed 17, 18, 18, and DeMarco almost chipped in to win on 18. Uh, again, it lipped yeah. out, and yeah. then Tiger won in the play. That, that's one of the greatest yeah. final few holes I've ever watched. Once you get to 16, like that's where, if you take your chair to Augusta and put it down, no one moves it. So what happens is people line up at 5 o'clock in the morning. They'll race out to 16, say, for instance, which is a long way away from the gates. Okay. And they'll put the chair around the green, and it's, you know, they're 100 deep, and it's kind of an amphitheater setting. But once you put your chair there, no one will move it. No one will touch it, and you can leave it there. And then what you do is then you go walk the grounds and check out holes, whatever, until you can feel that they're starting to come, and then you get back to your spot. Once... The golfers, the final pairing, I guess, is left 16. You can't get anywhere remotely close to 17 and 18. So you're done. You can't see anything. So you, you might as well just walk off the Find off the a property. TV or something. Yeah, and that's what we did. We went to a place across the street called Mangolia, uh, uh, Magnolia Manor. Kevin Carius in studio. We'll get a little bit uh, more of his perspectives of Augusta National. We'll talk about uh, the Edmonton Oilers, a little curling as well. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Oilers and Sharks tomorrow. The game is at 8.30. Our coverage will start with the face-off show at 7. I'll have a one-hour edition of Inside Sports from 6 to 7. We'll have Kelly Rudy on the show and uh, former NHL defenseman Sean Bell as well. In studio with Kevin Carius from Global Television, who uh, was just telling some tales about uh, attending the Masters in uh, in 2005. What was uh, what was your impression of, of just, and Tim Campbell was on in the last half hour, just of, of walking the course and maybe memorable views or actually seeing holes you've seen on TV all your life to actually see them in person? The biggest one is 18. When you, when you get that perspective from behind the tee when they show it on television, it basically looks flat, but it's straight uphill. Really? It is so, it's such an elevation change, and you can't even imagine the difference between the two of them uh, until you get that angle. And that's what makes that tee shot so, well, I mean, it's 18 for, for right. one. But, I mean, you look, it looks like that sand is going to be coming into play a lot more a lot more, but just because of the elevation, it just takes a lot of yardage off the ball, I think. Uh, when we were there for the practice round on uh, Wednesday, we went in the morning, Mike Weir was teeing off because he had won in 2003. Mm-hmm. So, And of course, every Canadian was following him around. But they let you so close. I remember standing uh, just outside the ropes on the back side of the tee box, and the blocks were in the back. If I would have leaned over, I would have been able to grab Mike's weir, Mike Weir's uh, club in his backswing. Really? That's how tight it was. 
But uh, as far you know, uh, the elevation is a big thing, and and the other thing, the course is really really spread out. It's not like you're just going from hole to hole. Like there are a lot of holes where you have to wonder how I'm going to get to the next one. Oh, as really? Far, as far as viewing, yeah. once you get it down pat, like it takes a couple of days, but once you get it down pat to go, well, there's certain areas where you're not walking around because they, they just don't allow viewers there, yeah. and they don't allow any any uh, fans at all, like, you know, around Amen Corner, when you're around the backside there, there's no one there. So you, you can't go on that one side of the property, so you have to be able to cut through some certain areas um, to make sure that you can... Um, get there in time because you're not allowed to run you're not allowed to really look like you're getting there in a hurry how's that sound right so you got to kind of be careful on that it's a very respectful respectful thing I, I, billy Payne was on today they were asking him about cell phones well and he goes never because a lot of courses are allowing cell phones now on the courses uh, to take pictures, to do whatever. He says they will never, ever allow So you them. can't even bring your quiet you can't, cell phone you can't, you can't bring a cell phone on the course. They, you're not allowed to. Can you bring, could you bring a camera when you went? No, uh, just for the practice round. So no cameras, no nothing. So so they're actually searching people when they when they go in? Yeah, well, you searching. Well, you just you just don't get in. <laughs> you, they just wouldn't let you in? Yeah. Uh, did you have, what, are, what are the sandwiches they have there? Well, they have the pimento, pimento sandwiches, sandwich. yeah. That's the thing. Everyone thinks Augusta is so expensive and things like that. Yeah, the badges are expensive, but... Uh, when you go there, they make it affordable for everyone. So this is, well, it's, I'm sh- sure it's maybe gone up a little bit. But I remember going there, you could get four beers, so two in each hand, and a pimento sandwich under your chin for $9.50. They do serve beer, though. Oh, well, that's what I just said, four of them. Yeah, they serve beer. Yeah, you get beer whatever you want. If you buy the, if you buy the, you can buy the Masters, uh, uh, the cups, you know, they sell yeah. out of them. They, they feature a hole every year and then they sell out of the cups because people will keep them and use them on their deck because they're nice plastic cups. I still got a couple of them. But if you just buy a normal cup in a, like a, like a, you know, a red cup can, you know, the, yeah. like those plastic cups, it's just, uh, they're two bucks a beer. Jeez, that's amazing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Kevin Carius in studio inside sports on 630. Chad, the Masters starts tomorrow. Kevin and I are going to talk about the Oilers' drive here to the playoffs. They're on the verge of learning their positioning. And you'll also hear from Canada's skip, Brad Gushu. Man, they are rolling at the men's worlds. Morley Scott talked to Gushu earlier today. We'll play that for you. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Good to have you along for the ride. You can always text 6.30, You can call 780-496-0063. Corey says, hey, guys, I love the golf talk. My dad, my brother, and I followed Phil Mickelson around the Scottish Open in 2002. It was unbelievable. Cheers. That is from Corey. Corey, I imagine you're still warming up from the wind, probably. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be windy tomorrow at Augusta, too. Yeah, I wonder if the well, yeah, like we were saying, bad weather so yeah. far this week. But more wind tomorrow, I think. I don't I think the rain will stop, but 25 mile an hour wind for that course is, oh, that's once in a blue moon. Did, did, you, did you golf in Ireland and England? No, I never have. Oh, well, you know who it was who was telling me was uh, was Mac T. Yeah. 
playing in a, I can't remember where he played, but it was one of those courses where you go to and like you have to have a caddy yeah. because otherwise you won't even know where to walk. And depending on the wind, you either got a three iron in or a half wedge. Right. Like it's just, yeah. <laughs> like it's so, it's just the wind. Is Sometimes incredible. around here, it's pretty bad too. Like even here in Saskatchewan, the wind is, you can get really crazy for us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. All right, uh, we got to do a quick scoreboard update here. Sabres lead the Canadians 2-1. That's early in the third. By the way, our reports out of Buffalo, Kyle Opozo is in intensive care getting tested. He's had an undisclosed illness that's kept them out of the Sabres lineup, so uh, hopefully he turns out to be okay. Capitals up one nothing on the Rangers. That's late in the second period. The Raptors are trailing the Pistons 93-86 with five minutes left. The Blue Jays have just lost 3-1 to the Baltimore Orioles, so they are 0-2 on the young season. And you'll hear from Brad Gushu a little bit later on. Uh, he talked to Morley Scott after beating Japan 10-2 at the Worlds. Tomorrow, Oilers play the San Jose Sharks. They have won nine of their last 11, despite uh, you know kind of a subpar game last night against the Los Angeles Kings. Kevin, where are you at all? Because I know you always have uh, an interesting interesting take. Are you at all got to play this team? How does this team match up? Or are you just kind of like get in and get in and deal with it? I think more get in and deal with it. I, it's looking pretty close that it's going to be San Jose, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of home ice, although that's not uh, definitive yet. I, You know, depending on uh, Joe Thornton's health is a big thing. Couture's still probably not going to be ready to go, I don't think. Um uh, maybe for the start of the playoffs, but I doubt it. Who knows with him? But he's, you know, those are two pretty big nuts for the, for the Sharks. I think they match up just as well against anyone. It's not like they. I can you can say, oh, they're a little bit better against Anaheim, a little bit better than San Jose, and you know Calgary. Who knows? We haven't seen Calgary for so long. It's hard to say exactly how uh, they would match up against that. Um, it just shows you last night if you take your foot off the gas for just a little yep. bit. And I mean, the other thing too, LA was loose, playing loose. They're not playing for anything. Yeah, so just like just sometimes the Oilers. Last, the last several few years, years, you know, sometimes they'd go out and beat someone, and then everyone go. Oh. And I thought Rob made an interesting point last night too for you know the Brodzinskis and depth guys of the world. I, I well, like, that's their game seven. Yeah. That's the most important. They want to. They want to contract or they they want to make sure they're you know got a good reputation coming into camp next I year. thought Brodzinski played very well here he did yeah. in LA and then he played well against uh, the Oilers last night I, I like the way he plays. I think he could be a heck of a player. That Kempe guy is going to yeah, be good, too. I He's like, fast. Yeah, but I like Brzezinski. If he keeps going and improving and developing, and we'll see what kind of offseason he has and what they do and what kind of place they have for him next year, I think he could be an impact player for them. Yeah, I mean, L.A. is not the L.A. of the last few years, but I don't think they're, they're trying to change a little a bit. bottom feeder. Trying to change. And the thing about the Oilers is, you know, I, they, they lose a game like that, and I and I, you, you certainly got the sense of disappointment after the game, but you know Nugent Hopkins was asked about complacency. He says, "Well, we're not complacent. We 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 played a bad game." And they, they can and Latestu kind of said, "Like this is this is bad, but we know what we have to do." Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think that they've established enough of a work ethic and and quite frankly higher standards where it's like, okay, we we recognize that was an off night, but it's not going to snowball. I think if you looked at tomorrow night's game and if they had the same kind of performance, then you would have cause for concern. Sure. Other than that, I mean, I think it's a, unfortunately at a tough time of the year to have a, a bit of a subpar game, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. I, I would totally expect that they'll have one of their better games of the year tomorrow. Western Conference, so having said that, and again, injuries and stuff can, can change things, and we want to talk about a big injury in yeah. the East too. Uh, is it 
but when you look at the playoff teams, is it Chicago mm-hmm. and then the other yep. the other seven? St. Louis, I don't think, is that good. But is it St. Louis? For me, maybe Chicago, the other six teams, and then St. Louis? Yeah, and I mean, I think Nashville probably goes in there too, right? Don't you think Nashville and St. Louis are probably... Nashville's dangerous to me, though. Maybe just because of how they played against the Oilers this year. You know, and they got some depth. The first couple lines can be pretty dangerous. But St. Louis can get there too, right? They have they have enough guys. We talked about this a long time ago. Remember, you said St. Louis was done, mm-hmm. and I said, "Well, I wish they'd gone after Flurry." Right. Remember, yeah, we talked that. about yeah. that a long yeah, time ago. I do remember that. So you know, I think I think I would put him in that in that same boat. But it, it's Chicago, and then the rest. Chris Letang will not oh. come back this season. Herniated disc in his neck, so he's got to get that fixed up. So four to six months for him. So obviously uh, out for the playoffs. Does does that change the the landscape in the East for you at, at all, Kevin? And it's interesting anyway because really the four best teams are in the one division anyway. Maybe a little bit, but you know what? Pittsburgh's been doing it all year with so many guys out of the lineup, so I think they're used to it. They made enough deadline acquisitions with a guy like Hainsey and Mm -hmm. guys that can fill in. Schultz is obviously having a a great year. They'd be doing it with uh, like a no-name blue line if they were to have success in the playoffs. But having said that, I think, you know, everyone would be right on par to think that uh, everything's going to be going through Washington, so... Washington, 114 points, and by the way, don't underestimate what Justin Schultz has done. Mm-hmm. In some of getting some of Latang's minutes yeah. anyway. So, and here's the thing, because I know, and I think you know, Jack has said this that it's great for Washington, but until they do what Pittsburgh has done, you still favor Pittsburgh. Now, the advantage is for Washington is Pittsburgh and Columbus are gonna, likely going to yeah. pound each other for two weeks. And Washington, and, and no disrespect to what Toronto has done this season, but if Washington plays Toronto in the first round, you 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 got to expect that's a that's a five gamer for the Capitals. I, I wouldn't say five gamer. I wouldn't book it like that. But I mean, uh, it's not going to shouldn't be as taxing. I wouldn't think so. It. And Toronto's not a big big physical team. It wouldn't be like a big bruising type of series and is it it's not 100% sure that they face the Leafs anyway yet true oh no I'm you know, just so, I'm just throwing it out there based on today yeah, yeah because but I mean, they can still play Ottawa or Boston out of all if you're going to look at all eight first round matchups you're going to say if you're going to pick one through eight of the sure win here Washington is going to be everyone's number one choice yes good point because you like yeah they're going to play Toronto Ottawa or Boston yeah and uh, by the way what's Marchand going to get I think he gets the rest of the year, regular season. So that's two? Two. And he'll be on a really short leash for a long time. Yeah. Well, he already should have been. Yeah, he should have been already. I I just don't see them giving him, if they give him one playoff game, that would be like almost like a what, five game? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Which is too high, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes you never know. Like, what is this guy thinking sometimes? You know, he goes from being one of the best players in the league to someone that just does something so off the wall that no one can figure him out. What about, what What are your thoughts on Montreal Rangers? And do the Rangers wind up coming out of the Atlantic as the, as the wild card? Are, are, they, are they that much? I, don't know, I know Montreal has one more one more point than the Rangers, but... To me, I'd still look at that and think, oh, I don't know, man, like the Rangers, are, they can push it. I don't know if Montreal I, can push it like that. I think, and with all due respect, I think the Rangers 
have sort of been kind of playing possum here, <laughs> laying off the gas. Right. Because they know... They couldn't move. There's no way they were going to catch those t- three teams, right? So they're just kind of going, ah, oh, let's just kind of hang out here. We know what we're going to do. Uh, I think they've really been kind of resting a few guys as far as minutes and things like that. They have... Obviously, a great goaltender. I wouldn't want to play. I, I would pick the Rangers over Montreal for Yeah, round. so would I. So yeah. would I, actually. I, I know Dave Campbell and I were talking about that. Yeah. He, he still thinks Montreal would be able to get it done. But it's interesting with the way the brackets work now because then, I mean, you could have the Rangers with more points than any team in the Atlantic and not having home ice <laughs> against, uh, against right. either either team. But I, I, I still think... I'm almost, I'd rather play on the road, start on the road almost really? every, unless you're a team like Washington or something like that. I just, the way things go, I want to play on the road to start things off. Well, I understand what you're saying because if you if you split, you feel so much better about mm-hmm. yourself. If you're the home team that splits, you you've almost feel behind. You do. Well, the, uh, the old adage, you're never in trouble until you lose a home game. Right, so you put the other team in trouble right away if yeah. you win game one or two, right? Right. It's 7.43. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad Reed Wilkins, Kevin Karius. We will uh, touch on the World Curling Championship when we get back. And Brad Gushu in conversation with Morley Scott. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Cam Talbot having a great season for the Oilers. Just missed out on the uh, new wins record for the Oilers. He'll try again tomorrow against the Sharks. Reed Wilkins, Kevin Carius. Kevin, I uh, want to get to the uh, curling chat here because mm-hmm. Gushu's rolling and Morley, uh, you know, Morley's all over that, yeah, that curling. He's a big time I think he's, he's, oh, just, yeah. he's just camped out oh, at Northlands. Yeah. We just gave him a... Gave him an iPad with Netflix yeah. on it so he can watch in between games. And a corn broom, that's all he needs. <laughs> He's, Morley, Morley Scott's yeah. hurrying hard to the hot dog yeah. stand. Morley would be like a young Chuck Pachikowski. I'll tell you who that I, is. I don't later. know who that is, yeah. but it's fun. Well, it's, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, Darnell Nurse, what's on oh, your mind? Well, I just want to, I know a lot of people were upset last night with how Darnell Nurse, uh, the pairing, Darnell Nurse and Matthew Benning. Uh, what they were minus three. I guess Benning didn't see a little bit of ice for a while. One thing I wanted to mention, though, that most times when you have a defenseman um, that is paired up with, as the Oilers have been doing, it's sort of a revolving door with number six. You could say it's been Benning in and then Griba, and mm-hmm. they've rotated really for quite some time now. And yep. normally you have more of an experienced veteran defenseman who has to kind of take that on as the other partner. Well, Look at Darnell Nurse. He's basically the second least experienced defenseman the owners have behind Benning. Yep. And he's the guy that has been seeing a new defense partner basically almost every game. Yeah, it's the same guy, but in and out, in and out, in and out. So I think people had to kind of lay off a little bit last night how they were, how upset they were with those two young guys. I mean, holy cow. Uh, but I think it shows a lot of mature uh, maturity with Darnell Nurse, how he can handle that and be able to see a different defense partner pretty well every game although it's the same you know it's two guys I know they play differently obviously driver and betting too so that's an interesting thing to watch for for sure okay so Canada over uh, Japan 10-2 today they're 9-0 at the Worlds 
they're going to be in that 1-2 playoff game uh, regardless. They'll probably get the number one seed. Morley Scott talked to uh, Brad Gushu after today's game. I don't think it really changes too much, to be honest. I think the way we were playing uh, after we got through the first five games, 5-0, five and oh, I felt pretty confident that we were going to be in that 1-2 game. Uh, I guess right now it's just... You know, it's it's assured, which is nice. Uh, but we want to make sure we have the hammer, so we gotta we gotta have a good day tomorrow, and and uh, and then get ready for the playoffs. And, and you know, hopefully tomorrow we get a good test uh, to see what the ice is like in, in uh, eight, nine, and ten. Obviously, we've seen it in a couple games earlier this week, but the ice has evolved and, and improved as the week has gone on. So uh, it's definitely going to be a little bit different than it was when we played Switzerland or Sweden. Is that important tomorrow to maybe to play in an eighth, the ninth, and the tenth end? Uh, it'd be nice. I think it'd be a bonus. I I don't think it's essential by any means. I think with uh, with the, between the four of us, we're we're going to be able to read the ice and and and, and learn pretty quick. Uh, and what we've been hearing is the ice has been holding up very well uh, as as you enter eight, nine, and ten. So it, it's not a big concern. I think in an ideal world, we'd like to have that. But if it doesn't happen, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel you're playing as well as it appears you're playing? I mean, because you're just running away from everybody right now. Yeah, we're playing well. Uh, we are for sure. We're getting some mistakes from other teams, but we're forcing mistakes. And, and uh, I feel like our team is we're we're firing on all cylinders. To be honest, I think we're we're comfortable. We're enjoying the moment. Uh, we're relaxed, having fun, and, and uh, you know it shows. I think uh, you know it's 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 a, we're in a good place right now. Five N, tell me about that. Fifth uh, end, what? Uh, the oh, the five, five yeah. End, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was it, it was just kind of building, and, and, and they were taking some chances early in the end that I didn't think they needed to take and kind of left a few of our rocks kicking around. And, uh, you know, we got a miss on his first, and I made a really nice hack waiter on a, on a rock that was completely buried. And no matter where he went, we were going to be able to get at him on the last shot, and, and we made it for five. And, you know, it kind of built it. It, it, built, it looked like a two or three ender, and then all of a sudden it could be four, and then, then it was a five. And, and I just thought there was a couple maybe strategy errors that he had early in the end uh, to leave some rocks around that he didn't necessarily had, have to when uh, he was only down two to one. Thanks, Chris. Still the hammer to get tomorrow, but is it still kind of a weird day tomorrow? Um... I don't know if it's a weird day. Uh, I think, again, we just want to keep playing good. You want to, we want to keep the momentum going. We don't want to come out and have a stinker as we lead into the playoffs. I think we want to make sure we're engaged on, on every shot in, in every every game. If we have a six or seven end game tomorrow, wonderful. That means we're playing well. Um, but in an ideal world, one of those uh, teams tomorrow will give us a good test and we'll still play well, but they'll play well with us and, and we can see what the ice is like in nine and 10. Um, but we have to make sure we win at least one. You know, having the hammer is uh, is going to be important when you go up against a team like Nicholas or, or even Switzerland, I guess, uh, depending on who wins that game. The, uh, Appreciate it. Thanks. The numbers are quite all right, that's Brad Gushu talking to Morley Scott after his win today. The uh, world—it's—it's it's interesting because they—they are—they are rolling, they're shaking hands early. It's, uh, the world is well. an interesting, an interesting animal compared to the Briar. I think there's only really one or two teams that can give Canada a yeah. goal, and that's it. So it's frustrating in, in that sense because, like as you said, every game's over in the sixth end here. They're shaking hands. So, yeah. uh, you know what was good though? I mean, they were still focused and everything. You when you watch them, they're they're sharp. They're focused, no matter what the score is, and that's the key. Um, just stay in that element, uh, because if you let down at this point, 
it's going to come back to bite you when you need to go up yeah, against Sweden or something like that. You got to keep the standards consistent. Yeah. Uh, there are some great stories there. Uh, Kirby Bourne from our news department uh, did a story on one of those guys that has been collecting pins for. 40 years or something. What, what, what did you have about oh, somebody from well, Mexico? Well, when I was... Well, was yeah, this we, on tonight? We have a story. Yeah, we've got the uh, the fan from Mexico. This is great. She's uh, She went uh, to uh, the uh, the curling in Vegas. Uh, somehow got enough money to go from Mexico to Vegas for it. But then uh, they started a GoFundMe page and they brought her up here. Uh, Cheryl Bernard from uh, TSN helped yeah. out with that and they got enough money for her to come up here. So she, we did, Quinn Phillips did a great story. We'll have that on uh, tonight at 11. And uh, You mentioned uh, when you were talking about Morley and I said Chuck Patrickowski. Oh, yeah. Morley might remember Chuck Patrickowski. When I, my first briar that I covered was in 1992 in Regina and I sat down on Media Row. It was a lot different back then. And uh, I sat, sit beside this older guy and he's, he's got a cigarette going and he, I think he probably had a Ryan Coke going too. And, uh, he goes, hi, I'm Chuck Pachkowski. I said, pleased to meet you. And next thing you know, uh, he goes, all right, we're back on. And he's doing curling play-by-play on radio. Oh, yeah. For, I've heard about that. Uh, yeah. For I believe it was Weyburn Radio, CJFSL or CFSL. And anyway, oh, it was just awesome listening to him. Uh, to do the play-by-play. We, we got a text. Oh. Uh, Chris, Chuck Pachikowski was a great curling bar- broadcaster from Weyburn, Saskatchewan. See? Great man. He had the saying, we've got a barn burner going on. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, but he would, yeah, there's Russ Howard, or it would be Vic Peters, I think, was there. Right. Vic Peters slides out of the hack. Looks like an intern. <laughs> I, I respect yeah. that for sure. All right. Uh, you may or may not be here next Wednesday. We may or may yeah, not be broadcasting know. a playoff okay. game. Yeah. Well, when well, will that be decided? Monday, just, I guess. Yeah. Ward and I were talking about it. Does it, does it sometimes come out the Sunday night? Well, it depends, I guess. I mean, eh? the How order far game, ahead they know. There's a lot of Sunday afternoon games, I think, to close out the. Yeah. What time the order game's at six, right? Uh, it's at seven on Sunday. Seven. Oh. It was Unless sick, so. maybe they already know who they're playing and where. Maybe it would come out a little earlier. But uh, anyway, we'll yeah. talk to you, Kevin. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, buddy. Kevin Carius from Global Television. Thanks to Warren Mulvey, the studio producer this evening. Just quickly here, Sabres lead the Canadians 2-1 late in the third. Capitals up 1-0 on the Rangers after two. The Raptors come from behind to beat the Pistons 105-102. They outscored them by 15 points in the fourth quarter. Orioles beat the Blue Jays 3-1. Tomorrow at 7 is the face-off show. Oilers and Sharks, the game will start at 8.30. Thank you so much for listening to Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.